Good evening and welcome to our harmonics. Today we have a very special guest, a world-renowned artist that is in my studio right now. It is such an honor to have him here, Clayton Thiel. How are you, sir? God, it's a great to see you. Um, Clayton, let's, let's, we're going to get right into uh, this interview uh, because I know you're working on a lot of art right now at this moment. But, Clay, tell me something about what actually got you in to doing art at an early age? What, what moved you into that? Um, well, at an early age, I grew up on a farm in the Midwest, uh, just outside of St. Louis. Okay. <clears throat> really boring place. Great place to be from. Uh, farming was very, um, very physical, tactile, um, get up and do it every day. And um, sculpture, sculpture's like that. Very tactile, gotta get up and do it every day. Can't wait for inspiration. So I'd say farming was preparation for sculpture. Really, so so you actually got influences from being a farmer? Like, just, I mean. Just physical. Just fi because it was physical, working yeah. with your hands and things working like that. Working with my hands. When, okay, so when you got out of the farm work and you started to get, what really made you recognize that you had a talent to actually do some kind of work with hands? I remember in high school always being in trouble. I love it. And it's because I was bored. And then I saw this girl with mud all over her, and I followed her. And she went down into like the dungeon of the school, which mm -hmm. was the basement floor of that school was all art classes. Twelve full-time art teachers. Wow, in your high school. In my high school. And this was not an unusual high school in those days. Right. Anyway, um, I started making pottery. And I remember, you know, everybody else was struggling and it just it came to me naturally. And I realized, my God, I can't, I can't screw this up. Mm -hmm. There's no way I could screw this up. Mm -hmm. Which was a revelation. For it was me. a revelation. So, so you got that start. You started making pottery. You went to college. Well, I went to college with the idea I'd do more pottery there, and I found out there's a lot more to art school than making pottery. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, design classes, figure drawing, um, and sculpture classes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, in time, uh, recognized I needed to concentrate. When you go to graduate school, you have to concentrate. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I went in concentrated on sculpture. So when you when you did all that and you said that you had an, uh, a knack for sculpture, you, that's where you actually studied, what pushed you in that direction of sculpture? I mean something made you want to do it? What did you, your work is so very diverse, what made you go into sculpting? Like I mean what was like say what was one of your first pieces that you did in graduate school? Mm. Uh, well, let's see, I had to, you know, your, your job is to break the rules mm -hmm. and do as many experiments as you can. Mm -hmm. So I worked in the foundry a lot. Mm -hmm. um, at the time we were doing, it, I was, I started out there in, at UC Berkeley mm -hmm. and then ended up at San Jose State. Mm -hmm. And they were, the foundries both places and there was this one technique called open face casting where you're just basically pouring it out on sand. And uh, which was the original way that swords were made back, you know, in the Bronze Age. Mm. So that kind of, and that was exciting, mm -hmm. you know, you know, spilling 2,000 degree metal all over the place. So was uh, was it formed? Like, you know, was it a, what kind of form did it come out to? It was I mean? sort of like silhouettes that you would make in the sand, and then you prop them up and paint them and stuff. It was pretty wacky, but mm -hmm. uh, that was the first time I went into that world of the foundry and and got some experience there. It was fun. You know, talk about that. 
and talking about, you know, you're working in the foundry and you're melting things and it's 2,000 degrees. What is the material that you like to use? I, I've seen a lot of your work. It's, it's so beautiful. It, it talks to me. I, I, you know, it, that's what it does. But what is the material that you like to work best at? Well, clay comes first mm -hmm. because it's the material that all these other uh, materials can be made from. So uh, if I'm going to do a public commission, I would present a maquette. Mm -hmm. That thing, easiest way to make is out of clay. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's going to be made into bronze, it's the mold's made from the clay. If you're going to make it out of marble, you take your measurements from the clay. Mm -hmm. So it's like the starting place. Mm -hmm. You were talking about how it, it, I, I've, I've been in your classroom. I, I think you're such an effective teacher. You've got great communication skills. Um, I've noticed that some of your students, you have power tools. <laughs> give, us, give us a little insight on that. Yeah. Give us a little insight on that. I mean, how that is, how you actually just, you, you, you know, you're, you're obviously you're protected, but. Some people are afraid of power tools. Really? And other people, that's why they're there, because mm -hmm. they want to play with power tools. <laughs> So, you know, and you get a wide variety of people right. coming to a community college, right. young and old, mm -hmm. some experience, no experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, the, it, I, I've got an impeccable safety record. Mm -hmm. Knock on wood. That's good. So when, when you do that, um, you have how many students you usually have? Twenty uh, is a lot. 20s a lot. So you actually have, so you're actually doing, not, not everybody's using a power tool at the same time. But it, it sounds like sometimes. Oh, okay. I could understand sounds like that. Sometimes. So let's go back to some things that we had on a conversation privately. Who are the people that influenced you to be who you are today? And we're going to go into like, let's talk about some people and then we'll talk about your visits when you were in, in Florence. Okay. Um, if you saw my work and saw Peter Volkus's work, you you would not be able to see any similarities. Mm -hmm. So right away, it's important to say that the people who influenced me, you know, in ways that aren't apparent. Uh, Peter Volkus is a was a pretty famous artist here in the. Uh, West Coast, mm -hmm. and uh, I knew of him through books, mm -hmm. and that's I came out to study with Peter Volkus. Mm -hmm. um, he was at UC Berkeley at the time. Mm. So you actually got to study under him, or just studied him through books? Well, y yes to both. Oh, yes uh -huh. to both. Uh, and then I went to San Jose State, and um, the guy down there that I really connected with the most, or had the most affinity with was Stan Welsh. Mm -hmm. And then um, also up here at Cal State I was working as a lab tech mm -hmm. and the guy there was Clayton Bailey and he's you know two Claytons I know in the same studio. Mm -hmm. I did some work <laughs> with him. Yes. Um, now then later as I got into other materials mm -hmm. and other media Manuel Neri stand out, stands mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. He started his uh, contribution in the art world and making figures out of plaster mm -hmm. and then he bought a place in Carrara because uh, he wanted to make them out of marble and um, and that's where our paths crossed. Interesting. We're gonna go there now. I remember when you took a trip you actually were in Italy 
Uh, you were in Florence. I remember how happy you were when you came back. But you made a statement that is like, I think I belong there. Hmm. And yeah. <laughs> being that it's my family heritage, uh, Italy, I, I thought that was really such a cool thing that you said. I, I seen how happy you were when you came back, but you studied under some uh, a gentleman. And tell me about, well, Florence, let's talk a little bit about the Renaissance. You said that maybe you might have been an artist back then, but maybe even further back. Yeah, yeah. W what, give us, give us you gotta, insight. You gotta believe in reincarnation. Most to, definitely, to, I did. To, to talk about yes. this. Yeah. Um, once I got a hammer in my hand and started working on the marble, I had that same thing happen, like with the pottery. I go, no matter how hard I hit this, I can't mess this up. <laughs> I love that. And it's just this, you know, epiphany because, you know, you know, it's, it's it, other medias are a lot less forgiving. This is true. Uh, and, you know, stone can be pretty unforgiving, too, mm -hmm. if you get down to the end and mm -hmm. knock off the nose or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I think that uh, the thing that happens when, when I went to Italy is uh, it's just, it's, 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 it was a shock. Um, the, the magnitude of the art there and, and the quality of it and the, uh, and, magnitude. and that's, <laughs> and that's looking at the copies out on the street. Then you find out that the originals are in a museum. Mm -hmm. And so you go in the museum and they're even better. Right. And it just goes on like that. Well, you worked with a gentleman and uh, where was that? Man Manuel Neri, who lives both here in the Bay Area and has a place in Carrara. Carrara, let's talk about, let people know what Carrara really is. Well, Carrara is the source of all the marble yes. for all the great art in Europe. Um, especially in Florence. Did you go there also? I mean, you've actually seen them. And I wanted to go to the source. There you go. So that's where Manuel Neri and his studio comes into the story. After we did the tour mm -hmm. with the Rome and Florence and so on, uh, then I stayed on for a month and a half in Carrara and made as much, roughed out as much marble sculpture as I could mm -hmm. in that short amount of time. Mm -hmm. The advice he gave me was, make as much unfinished artwork as you can because there's a tariff on art materials and a tariff on finished works but there's no tariff for unfinished artwork oh. now I don't know if that's that way today mm -hmm. that was nine years ago mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that's why he gave me that advice and I followed it mm -hmm. and uh, brought seven Tons of marble back with me. Seven tons. Uh, well, not in the carry-on. I was going to say. Yeah, a slow boat. Okay. Yeah. That had to be a very slow boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Clay, you know when you, when you do this, I've, se I've seen some of your art, and, I, and I've seen some of your marble pieces. You have a, a, a beautiful uh, statuette. It's like a, a lady. And how did you get, I've always been amazed at, you know, you look at the Renaissance period, and I've always been amazed. They didn't have, that was all manual, they didn't have power tools. How did they actually get it, the surface so smooth? At How did they do that? I mean, they how had, do you even do it too? Let's they, go both ways. They had a lot of helpers. Okay. Apprentices. Oh, okay. A, an apprentice is a slave that pays you for the privilege of, of working for you. So you get actually paid twice, once by the patron and once by your slaves. Mm -hmm. 
that's why they had so much help. Wow, they did have a lot of help. Okay. Now, how do you get yours? Like I don't have any apprentices. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. So I use power tools. Okay. And it, that makes it go a lot faster. Does it? So, like, say, um, for that piece, that beautiful piece that you you know that's in one of our lobbies at school, um, how long was that? How long did that piece actually? Well, I, I you're talking about the tall figure that I made out of the pink marble yeah, from Portugal. Yeah, it's almost like Venus of yeah, some sort. Yeah, I'm going to get her out of the box here mm. uh, pretty soon. Um, so I did that on my last sabbatical, uh, the previous sabbatical, um, mm -hmm. in 2000. Uh, 2000. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took me all summer. Yeah. Beautiful piece. Yeah. Uh, know, beautiful piece. And if it had been by hand, it would have been a couple of years. Hmm. So, yeah, it makes a difference. It definitely does. And you have to be pretty aggressive. Um, aggressive in the, in the sculpture use of the word mm -hmm. means working the surface right up to the finish. I mean, working very uh, rigorous right up to the finish rather than take being slow and careful so um i i notice when when you do have that what you're just talking about working it right up to the finish i notice that sometimes when i look at the unfinished work or people that are in work in progress um i notice that there's lines certain ways how they form in things and it, it just keeps on coming down and uh over a period of time then it actually becomes this almost magical it totally is almost magical when it when i see it done in you know photos and sequence and stuff mm -hmm. as it as it evolves it's mm -hmm. it really seems like magic but uh it's very methodical and mm -hmm. there's ways that i can show people how mm -hmm. to make this thing work it's mm -hmm. at first people are intimidated because it's mm -hmm. such you know stone puts up a fight most definitely <laughs> puts up a fight. especially marble because marble lasts so long um you're, you what you were saying about that so you actually will get a student that maybe doesn't have any experience or very inexperienced in sculptor, sculpture, and then all of a sudden you'll actually, I've seen it with my own eyes with some of the students that you had, uh, or have still, you could actually take them and make them start doing a form of some sort. What is the most basic, or is it something that they just start going right, right after? Um, I, <clears throat> I always make them do a maquette. Mm -hmm. I'm not a person that there's 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 sculptors who will say here's the tools just make something. No, that's I not you. I don't do that. So you have to make a maquette and they take their measurements from it and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So it's actually what are the what do they mostly turn towards or just imagination or? Well, the most fundamental uh, form for learning art is the human figure, and so I always start with the portrait bust shoulders neck and head mm -hmm. you got to learn uh, per scale and proportion and mm -hmm. how to cr you know craft detail mm -hmm. from that and it you know there's some reason why it, there's a good reason why they've been doing that same thing for thousands of years I guess the one thing I like about the materials I use is that the technology hasn't changed in any essential way in ten, in 10,000 years Amazing, and we're going to go something that's going to carry me right into this next question: chalk. Oh yeah, that hasn't changed in ten thousand years either. You you've actually done your 
or involved in the world's largest chalk drawing. I was uh, designing. Tell me about that. That's very that's very fascinating to me. S tell uh, me about that. The the Mark Wagner was the uh, vision keeper of this project. Uh, originally uh, aimed at creating awareness in the world that art programs have been taken away okay. from yes. public schools. Yes. And nowadays, there's so many uh, problems or so many things that people need to be aware of mm -hmm. that you have to do something big mm -hmm. to get attention anymore because, yes, you know, there's so much, you know, going on. Yes. And so, you know, well, one good way is to make a drawing so big that you can see it from outer space. Unbelievable. And so on the decommissioned naval base there in Alameda, the tarmac that used to land the warplanes, mm -hmm. we used to make this... Guinness Book of World Record chalk drawing. I was part of the design team, mm -hmm. but it was Mark Wagner's uh, vision. It was his vision. Yeah. Now, uh, how many, I'm going to use that word that you just used just moments ago, how many apprentices did you have working with you? Oh, uh, <laughs> he got the schools yeah. involved. He got AC Transit to ship them out there. Uh, the drawing took three weeks. Uh, 6,000 people worked on that drawing. 6,000 people. Over the course of three weeks. Oh, uh, amazing. So we had a lot of help. Do you have a picture of that? Or oh, yeah. We got uh, some great pictures of that. Great, uh, great. Sujoy can cue those up. Okay. Um, let's talk about, let's stay local for a while. There's a, a great thing happening here, local art. Oh, yeah. And tell, tell us a little <laughs> bit exciting. about that. Um, Chabot College uh, has... Um, some money set aside mm -hmm. for beautifying our campus now that we've renovated so many of these buildings. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be uh, uh, permanent public artworks on this campus to make it, you know, the showcase that it, that it is. And um, 600 uh, people applied for this opportunity. From, our, uh, from all over? From all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, then they narrowed it down to 21 semi-finalists, and then recently they decided on seven finalists. I'm one of them. Congratulations. And it's time for me to, you know, get the pencil out and make a proposal, mm -hmm. uh, put my best foot forward, because there may or may not be seven sculptures. It's, mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll see about that. that Can you give us a little insight what it is? or? Well, I mean, that is a surprise or the, my current work involves these big heads that are in this sort of dream or contemplation state. Mm -hmm. And then ideas come from that. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's important that they, they be big mm -hmm. because they have a presence that has a very ancient or eternal quality mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. Any kind of uh, relic from... Uh, history has that quality yes. go to you know Egypt or yes you see the pyramids yeah. or anything like that right it has that quality mm -hmm. and um, I'm excited about having an opportunity to make the even more colossal mm -hmm. uh, head because then you know the the presence of a sculpture in relation to the human scale is really important mm -hmm. um, you know you're not going to get the same experience of uh, an artwork at the little model scale right. as the real deal. Yes, you know, uh, you're talking about your your heads, the uh, oriental heads, I guess you could call them. 
Well, they, they have that. There's, there's, oh, I get a little religious overtone in them. I, I, when I first seen one of them, I'll tell you my favorite. It's, it's the blue head with the, like the yellow. There's a yellow, like a, 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 a yellow drip of paint, I think it is somewhere. It might even be golden. It's, I really like that. I mean, what made you, because you have different, different things that, uh, that you do. I mean, there's one that looks like it's uh, a city. Yeah. I see. As far as the um, gender or the ethnic mm-hmm. appearance of it, mm-hmm. I try to make that as universal as possible. Exactly. You don't that's know whether the, it's a boy or a girl. You don't know whether they're from the South Pacific or or Africa. Mm-hmm. The, they have a kind of... Uh, You're in a political look. It's, really it's, nice. it's all of these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then whatever it is that they're contemplating is is either engraved on, on the surface or coming out of the surface, okay. and that's that's my aim is to tell a story that way. I you know I, I really like those. I'm going to talk about and I hope I get this right. Ceramic American Annual. Oh yeah, that's coming up too, mm-hmm. and that that's that's uh, in. In the city mm-hmm. at Fort Mason, it's going to be in September, okay. second weekend of September, 2010. 2010. Okay. It's the first annual, uh, so it's the ground floor uh, first attempt. Mm-hmm. Other countries have ceramic annuals every year and have for you know a tradition. Mm-hmm. Here in the east on the west coast, we 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 have it, and it's time. It's time. I, I, and I firmly agree. You know, we got a little time left. Uh, I just want to ask you one f- more question. And uh, what, is, what is in your future? Obviously, you just stated something. But what do you see? Because you're such an energetic guy. You're <laughs> such an energetic artist. I mean, when you, when you, you know, we visit each other and you've come to my studio, I've come to your studio. One of the great things about you Clayton is is that you have such an exuberance for life. What do you see in the future? More creation, obviously, but what what does Clayton see for himself? Well, this uh, opportunity to make the big heads bigger is is important. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the stories that they tell, they they can just go on and on. Mm-hmm. Uh, expanding my ovure, that mm-hmm. is to say being able to make even uh, explore other materials uh, keeps keeps that exciting too mm-hmm. so um, you know if it's made of stone if it's made of bronze if it's made of clay um, the, the color um, I'm, I'm wanting to explore other ways of making creating um, them more colorful mm-hmm. uh, and so on like that um, yeah <laughs> oh, there's no uh, retired artists. Yeah, there, it's unlimited. I, I, it's I like, like there's that. no more retired there, musicians. Retired. That's right. Yeah, you know, thank you. There is no. There, I, I'll never retire from that. You know, um, I want to thank Clayton Teal to be here today. Um, if you notice, and, and as as common as always, before we say goodnight, if you want to come on my show, you've got to wear sunglasses. Oh, and be cool. Right. But Clayton, what he's going to do for us, he's actually going to make us a clay sunglasses for us. So I'll, maybe one day I'll, I'll wear them on the set. But it's such a great honor to have you. 
to talk a little bit about the history of your life, about the school, what's going on, the, the local events. Um, if um, people want to see more of my artwork, go on the website. It's my name, ClaytonThiel.com, and it's all there. Thank you so much. So, if you want to come on harmonics, you've got to wear shades. So be cool. We'd like to thank our guests. This is Greg Korea from Harmonics saying good night and God bless.